Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Josh Brown, they're making a Tekken anime. I know you're going to be <laughs> unbelievably excited for this. I knew before I even knew that was a thing. Yeah. I could feel the vibrations in the yeah. air. I could feel it was just good vibes coming from you, Scott. Good Emanating. vibrations. The thing is, um, this is the wind-up. Usually we go back and forward on a certain topic. Maybe there's something that we don't agree on, which we'll see by the time we hit credits on Elden Ring, where we both come down mm. on it. That'll be a, a, a topic primed for a Monday's wind-up. Um, but the other version of, of the wind-up is just getting people ready for the gaming week, wrapping up all sorts of different stories, all sorts to different wider talking points um, you know try and take as many things uh, into the fold as possible and one thing that broke yesterday um, was the tech was Tekken Bloodline Netflix's next animation um, looking like the Tekken version of the Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge animation or maybe the Battle of the Realms animation um, that was put together by um, whatever the hell the studio is that did the thing for NetherRealm I love all animated things <laughs> and I got you to watch the Tekken trailer so we can talk about this we've got a whole bunch of other stuff too um, but what was your what was your thoughts on the old Bloodline it looked like a really good trailer, I'll tell you that. <laughs> as we talked about off mic, and as we'll talk yes. about on mic, animation is not necessarily my forte. It's not that I don't. It's not that I hate it or anything like that. It's just that of the ones I've watched, and yes. this is I know animation as a genre, as an industry, as a medium is so huge. Mm. So I might not have just found the one that appeals to me. I just haven't found the one mm. that's clicked on it. I need to devour every single part of this oh. level. But with that said, as it is, it is a kind of novice when it comes to this realm. I watched this trailer and I thought that looks bloody good. Will you? Do you think you'll actually be watching it? No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I said to you before, because I think um, it's like a whole thing in film discourse, in film awards and whatever, where I feel like animation just gets snubbed. It's sort of like there are tons of incredible animated uh, movies, TV shows, whatever, that just never get their due. Like if you talk about like in the video game space, you talk about video game adaptations, the Castlevania series is massively up there. I think that's the closest that something's gotten um, to a lot of people talking about it. And when that scene, when the last final season wrapped up, um, you know, it's getting a spinoff now and it was like it had like a nice positive conversation around it but there's a lot of other stuff out there um you know th there's the devil may cry anime from a few years well a good few years ago um but there's the dota anime there's dragon's dogma like there are multiple things that netflix have picked up and ran with um and i made the watching tekken and looking at the amount of like impact that those com the different hits have and the different ways that they uh show martial arts i think this is just how you do video game adaptations for me anime or animation in general that gets you closer to how over the top the action needs to be in a way that um, live action stuff just doesn't. And I was just thinking if you made a Halo animation, I would take that in a harpy over the horrible, sterile toss right. that is the Paramount Plus thing. It's funny that because obviously they're completely different, completely different mediums, mm. completely different styles and such. But if I was watching a Halo TV show, animated TV show, mm. for instance, or even an animated movie, I would be thinking 
I would rather play this in a way that yeah. I wouldn't necessarily when it's in live action. Because when it's live action, you're working with a different set of limitations. Mm. Obviously, you kind of are with animation, but you're working within the same realm of if you can imagine it, you can more or less visualize that in a way that you can't with live action because you mm. have props, you have CG, all of that stuff. It's, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And for me, I always like to see how it's translated with, you know... Uh, human actors and uh you know actual props and stuff like that it's funny because i wish i was on the animation train like i it it's a good me, train it brings me no joy to be that guy who's like oh, i just don't get animated stuff oh, i just don't <laughs> like it but unfortunately it just doesn't click with me in the same way that i want it to i my one recommendation to you and please other people send in good faith uh, recommendations is castlevania i still yeah. would love you to watch the first episode of castlevania and see what you think i told you this this morning but with, with castlevania right i'm sure it's great everyone says it's it awesome. is, it's so cool. But it, it's the issue of, right, I watch so few TV shows. Mm. I find them such a time sink that I need to know I'm going to love it. So right, okay. anyone recommending me a TV show in general, <laughs> right, is fighting an uphill battle. When you uh -huh. add animation on top of that, in a, it being an animated TV show, it's like your chances of me watching that are in the single-digit percentages. <sighs> and it sucks because I'm sure it's great. Everyone it talks is. about how bloody good Castlevania is. I know. It, I you will love there. it. You'll love every four seasons of it. It's brilliant, and it, it's so good. And the first season's only like four or five episodes long. Yeah. 20 minutes apiece. You can be through that. Well, this is it. You know what? Oh, the thing is, man, I, I'll, I'll enjoy Tekken through you. And I think I'm all right with that. I'll enjoy it through the discourse you send my way, through the clips that I see on social media. You have little choice of them in the matter, considering how much <laughs> I'll be consumed by this when it's, it first drops. It's funny what you mentioned there, though, about like the differences between live action and animation. Mm. You saying that you know animation is king when it comes to video game adaptations. Yes. I the Mortal Kombat movie, right? I know it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Scorpions are revenge. Oh, that one's great. The no, live yeah. action one <laughs> can get in my bum. Well, I was going to that next because I thought it was all right. I thought it was quite good. It had a pretty bad story, right? Yeah. But and they the, broke the law. Oh, I didn't care for that. I didn't mind that. I did. I know. I know you did. I know you're someone up. who gets really wound up about. I hate that. it. But when it came to, you know, the first five minutes, I think we can agree. The first five minutes, right. you've got, uh, it's Scorpion versus Sub-Zero, right? Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, back in enough. old, like, Edo Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is awesome. That's yeah. a great short movie. And I think that if they get another go and they can sustain that for a full movie, mm -hmm. I think you've got something special there. You know, there's, there's something special in that live-action adaptation, I think, that could be extrapolated into a really, really good movie. I just, I don't know, I think it's just, if I, for me, anything live-action is, is only going to try and catch up to the games. Like, it's right. like the, the sense of motion. If you talk about Mortal Kombat, the fatalities, there's, there's like, literal animations, the portrayal of violence, the the, kinet, the kineticism that's in the way that those fights play out. A live-action version just can't get there. Like, the nearest you'll get is... Like you potentially get close with like really good choreography, but in terms of the games, MK10 and 11 especially have incredible fight choreography in themselves. Um, you know, backed up by the character models that are then applied to the motion capture actors doing those fight scenes in those cutscenes, and that's before you get to the actual bits that you play yourself. So for me, a nearer analog would be animation. But you can go you, again, like if you watch Castlevania or just whatever, you watch all sorts of anime. The way that they can like really emphasize impact or, or combat or like spec visual spectacle. There's just so much you can do in animation and anime that lines up with visual spectacle and memorability in a, in a video game that I think live action struggles to hit. I wish I knew what I just didn't, what didn't click with me, man. <laughs> like, cause I've tried, I've tried, I've tried lots of things, you know, obviously you were a big, maybe still are a big Rick and Morty fan. Yes. Instance, and I know that's a completely different realm from Go the second thing. Go watch Smiling Friends, carry on. Oh, but it's like, I tried to get into Rick and Morty and I gave that a couple of seasons mm. and it was 
was okay. And I was like, this is fine. You know, I tried to get into <laughs> adventure, adventure Time when that was a big thing. And I right. thought, this is okay. This is fine. And it's uh, not like that. I think that all of these things are bad. It's not like I think animation is bad. It's just for whatever reason. And I want people to, you know, try to uh, <laughs> message me about this because I want to know whether you're on my side or on Scott's side. Not that they should take sides, but I just want to know if it's just me being a freak, a freak <laughs> weirdo, or, uh, or what. Because I feel like I'm missing out on this entire lovely realm that well, I the thing can't is, get like, into. You are missing out. It's brilliant. Castlevania is brilliant. The thing is, though, this is a vested conversation. This is this long-form thing where animation doesn't get its due. And that's why, like, we talked about this before we started recording, but I'm fascinated by that. Like, why won't more people give it a shot? Why, is it, why isn't it the hell up more i don't get it when it's so like to me it's so visual it's so obvious why you would check those things out and it isn't like towards you but in general like in, oh, in yeah. terms of film awards and whatever i'm like look at this thing like i know beauty and the beast was the first um you know disney movie whatever to sort of get that wider recognition but overall it does seem to get knocked back a bit um and so yeah in regards to tekken um there is in 1998 or 1997 um other tekken anime that they did back in the day um that has a very old school animated look that didn't review very well at all there's a live action one from like 2012 I've seen that one. No, what? Have I you? Have, I have seen it twice. Why? I had a sickness. I bet you watched Dead or Alive live action. I certainly I, have. There he friend. is. Well, there this, he is, is. The thing. this is this is why I'm <laughs> I know I'm wrong because I will watch these guff live action adaptations yep. just because I want to waste my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, but I won't watch the good ones, the good animated ones, and I don't know why, because that Tekken live action, there's two, you yeah. know, maybe even more. I don't yeah. know, I stopped counting. But that first one, blue, it was <laughs> sucked. Did you watch Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li? You know what? I, I, I saw clips of it. Brilliant. I saw clips of it, but I didn't. I With, couldn't. Uh, Christian Croak. But that's because Street Fighter is not my stuff. You know, right, like okay. Tekken is, is my thing, so I, I can't believe that. this. I'll, I'll do some sort of, t- I need to ask the world this. I need, I need a tweet poll um, <laughs> to ask what, where the world comes down on this. Because <laughs> that's how I ask the world thing. My, uh, when, I, when I was replying to your tweet poll the other day on, uh, <laughs> on Souls. On w- yeah, what, let, letting the world know yeah. we're referring to the genre of Souls games going forward. It's yeah. not Soulsborne. It's not Soulsborne Kiro. It's not Dark Souls games. It's Souls games. That one by 1%. <laughs> Well, when I saw that, when I was when I was partaking in it, yeah. because you know when I when I chose one, I feel like I clinched that for uh-huh. you did. Uh, Souls games. Uh, my, my my partner was looking over and she went. Scott loves a good tweet poll, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. And I was like, yeah, he does. I love yeah, it, man. If I, if I want to ask, I want to get the general you know, read of a room. Yeah. I wanna, that, that's the biggest room there is that I, I have it. access to. I love it. Um, I want to know whether, I've, I think I asked people whether they have a, a bin in their living room. You did. I did. And I think most people said, what do you mean? I've never thought of that. And then they started putting bins in the living room. It's great. So. It's, it's, it's an insight into what we talk about in the office because almost mm. everything spins off into a getting the definitive poll on Twitter. Yes. It's like, do you have a bin in your living room then we all go Scott that's mental it's not it's really handy I'm not saying fill it full of food waste but if I've got a bit of scrumped up paper I'm not going to the kitchen with that I'll put it in the bin mate Scott man it's 2022 we must pay for what do you want to well, anything a bill I don't know something, <laughs> the bill of rights <laughs> whatever you need to get rid of I'm not getting up to get rid of it I'm reaching over the couch and I'm putting that in the bin that's fair that's the way you're supposed to live um, Tekken though what's that what even is that what's a bloodline no idea never heard of it but that thing is coming later this year um, yeah and overall I think it looks really promising I didn't even talk about what I think about it yeah, I think it looks really cool yeah. um, I like the fact that how clean it looks it kind of reminded me of like a Studio Ghibli take on Tekken right um, just in terms of the colour palette and um, and the way that it moves and everything. Uh, obviously, I don't necessarily have the frame of reference, but I thought the kind of the, the colors on it and like the backgrounds, especially, kind mm. of had a sort of faded, 
not necessarily retro look, but it kind of reminded me of stuff that I watched when I was uh, younger, perhaps. Oh. Or something. I don't know whether that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah like whether a, it was just my display on my computer. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I think there was like a painterly look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, that we'll, we'll how long will we look? We are ten minutes in. Wow, on Tekken, but also. Um, they do at one point show a camera rotating around Jin when he's facing off against Jun at the very beginning of the trailer, yes. or the teaser, um, which looks like it's rendered in 3D and then actually displayed yeah. in 2D, which is an interesting thing um, that I've started seeing in some other places. The Dragon Ball Fighter Z game had that. Um, the Guilty Gear series has that, where everything is actually rendered in 3D, but it actually it's, it stays 2D. Yeah. But maybe they're going to do some cool stuff where the camera starts spinning around people and you realize it's in 3D all along, or whatever. The uh, Dragon's Dogma um, adaptation on Netflix was done in 3D as well, which looked weird, to be yeah. honest. There's a way to do it well and a way to do it that looks weird. It looked really neat, and I, th- I've, I thought it was cool how he blended, you know, uh, this obviously this more unique um, visual style mm. compared to the games with kind of game signifiers, like, for instance, when, when the hits were connected, yes. like the uh, the flourishes and, you know, like the impact was more or less... Well, people noticed, like... Inspired by the games. Yeah, like Heihachi's combo he does on uh, Jim when he finally goes to ask how to be taught the uh, Mishima style or whatever. Um, he does the one one two square square triangle punch. Oh, nice. Um, and it, it does the same glow of uh, fighting effect. And yeah. it's like people notice that when characters are blocking, there's blue that comes off them as well, which is just like in the games. Um, that, that led to most of my Sunday being Tekken 7, <laughs> uh, whereas it should have been probably something that was newer than a few years ago. I'll tell you this. Go on. I'll tell you this right now. I For free. I couldn't get into Tekken 7. Really? I was a huge, huge Tekken fan back uh-huh. in the day. And when you graciously gifted me Mortal Kombat 11, and I, I had a fighting game and binge after I played that, and I just wanted more, more, yeah, yeah, more. Yeah. I bought Tekken 7. Right. Couldn't get into it. I don't know why. Uh, don't know what was about it. It's very traditional. Like, it is very it is very Tekken. Like, mm. in terms of MK11 is this massive, like, upgrade from MK10. Well, tell me this. Because I dropped off at Tekken 5. That was the last one I put. Tekken 6 sig- is terrible, so that's good. Is that true? Yeah. I put significant time into everyone up to Tekken 5, and mm. then didn't play 6, and then dipped into 7, like I said. That was it. Oh, no, six sucks. I um, Tekken 5 is really solo. Tekken 5 Dark Resurrection, the PSP one, um, is what I lived on for a long time. Um, three for me is always the king. And yes. I, I like the things that they tried to do in four. Um, they, they all, all this, they've replaced every grapple with a stance switch. Uh, sorry, with a, um, a person switch. So when you press two buttons together, you switch places with someone. Yeah. And it was all about placement and putting them through the environment. And it was kind of their response to like Dead or Alive. And then they sort of realized like, nah, we're Tekken. We should be, we should be Tekken. Yeah. And then Tekken 5 was Tekken AF. And then Tekken <laughs> 6 is where the law got stupid and they ruined Jin's character and whatever. Oh, did they really? Oh, yeah. They made him like this insane war, war-hungry genocidal maniac. Yeah, that's like, he's like, that's, he's like in charge of everything. Yeah, yeah. He like owns the yeah. Mishima Zaibatsu and then he like, he takes it from Heiachi when he thinks that Heiachi's dead yeah. and then they do a whole thing where he like he just goes to war and it's just like what are you, what are you doing Jin like <laughs> you're meant to be the, the best of us and um, yeah that stuff and then he fights a giant Egyptian god called Azazel I love Tekken it's, I love Tekken so much you want yeah. to talk about like, Tekken lore Mortal Kombat lore yeah. like, they're the pillars of my life I, I love uh, that like just the kind of memories I'm sure kids still do this now but mm. I remember like being a kid early internet stuff like mm. only having access for it for a few hours a week and using that <laughs> precious time to look up the biographies of Tekken characters oh, and dude, like, combat characters. Tekken, I mean, Tekken 3, I pl- I've, that's the thing with Tekken. When I watch this anime thing, I've been with Tekken since day one. Like, I remember yeah. Tekken 1. Like, the first one I played was 2, but, like, and then I went back Same. and bought 1. Yeah, and then, like, just played them through. And Tekken 3 left an immortal mark on me. I love Tekken 3 so much. Um, and then Tekken Tag was, like, th- that's such an era. The soundtrack's brilliant, as I'm always sending you links to it. The school <laughs> stage is so good. And Tekken, it's just, you know, it is one of those lifetime franchises. Yeah, 100%, man. Like, Tekken 3 is so good that... I I was um, in, in Leeds at the weekend, mm. and I was in a pixel bar, I think it's called, where right. there's, like, games, uh, consoles. And you set played up. Kirby, and it was really good. Uh, and I won't speak <laughs> on what 
I thought of the first I can't believe he finally played game. it. And he but hated it. On the table next to me while I was there again. With if only it was in live action. With eh? my <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to see that freaking live action. I don't want it. That's, that's, a, that's criminal. That would be kind of weird. We're on a list. What was I going to... I was only going to say that I was on this table with Kirby. Right. And the table behind me were playing Tekken 3. Oh. We were having a good time. And I was ignoring my partner to, <laughs> to turn around and watch this Tekken fight. Uh, Is there like, that's great. a better game that you find at a barcade than Tekken 3? No. Like, I don't think that's... I don't think Is, it's a thing. I'll raise you this. Go on. Is there a better game than Tekken 3. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? I mean, if we get, if we get, if we do genuine best games of all time, Tekken 3 is up there. Yeah. Like, it absolutely is. I mean, there's there's the whole argument about factoring in story and narrative and all the kind of things. The, if you're do the best game of all time, I think it should encompass everything that games can be overall. But in terms of the most pristine thing that you can just give to someone, Tekken 3, isn't it? Tekken 3. To me, what's really weird, though, is that we played the UK one, which was in um, 50 hertz, 50 frames a second. Right. Um, the US, and I think most of the territories got 60, which is why when the PlayStation 1 Classic had Tekken 3 in it, and it was stuck on 50. A lot of Americans, right. a lot of other regions went, what the hell is this? <laughs> Everything feels wrong. Whereas to me, I was like, this is brilliant. This is exactly what it felt like when yeah. I was a kid, playing it at uh, 10 frames less. Um, but yeah, Tekken though, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I sat and watched an entire, me and my wife sat, sat down and watched an entire recap of the entire Tekken lore. Love Not because I wanted to, you'd think I would. But um, I mean, I'm happy watching it, but my wife was like, I know bits and pieces about Tekken. Mm-hmm. Who's this gin lad that I had a crush <laughs> on when I was young? So we sat and watched all of the Tekken stuff. Um, which only reminded me how absolutely terrible Tekken 6 is. Um, which is to say that we had many other things to talk about, and we're now 15 minutes in. I love that. We, right, 16. For everyone listening at home, we, yeah. we were like, oh, is today's podcast going to be a little light? We don't know if there's <laughs> anything going on. We collected all these news stories. 15 minutes have gone by. Just, it just flies by. I mean, the thing is, yeah, we rounded up a bunch of other news stories because there is other stuff to talk about, one of which being the GoldenEye anniversary remaster remake, whatever it is. There was a whole bunch of stuff that leaked a couple of years ago about the remake of GoldenEye, the original being 007 GoldenEye on the N64. Um, that's been remade. It was remade across the 2000s, around about 2006, 2007. Um, it was meant to come out. I think it would have been the 10th anniversary back then. Right. Um, I think GoldenEye was 96. Might have been 97. And um, they had the remake ready. And then for whatever reason, they couldn't make it work. There was a disagreement between uh, Microsoft, Eon, whoever they're called, yeah. who own Bond, mm-hmm. um, and it couldn't come out. So apparently that finished game has just sat there waiting to be put out whenever they can make something work with Eon, who are apparently notorious for not being friendly with other people. Yeah, apparently. Um, even though there are a lot of Bond games um, that are like you know stellar and everything. Point being that um, I've already just realized as I said that, that everything or nothing is Eon. James Bond. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it James is. Bond, I think that's them going like, well, we'll give you it, but you've got to you've got to <laughs> remind them of us. Well, funnily enough, though, that's the best one. It is the best one. Yeah. Um, that and Nightfire, right up there. Uh, Age under fire or Nightfire? That uh, was it. Oh, Nightfire. Yeah. Every day of the week. I, I think I probably, am I going nostalgia to speaking though. I think. Well, see, that's the Tony Hawk's two versus Tony Hawk's three thing. It's yeah. generational. I'm Tony Hawk's two. I think you're Tony Hawk's three. Yes, I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like a little, a little age bit. If you're mm. a little bit younger, you'd be THP S two. Um. Anyway, for Goldeneye, um, apparently that is coming in time for the 25th anniversary of Goldeneye the movie, which is going to be in August later this year. Um. So people can finally get their hands on this remade version of what is to some people the best first person shooter of all time. I'll, I'll ask you this. Go on. I'll ask you this now. I've had some coffee. I'm really I'm, 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 I'm drinking it right now. I yeah, feel like I'm Pints flying. Uh, I'll ask you this, Scott. <laughs> does GoldenEye even hold up in 2022? Because I don't think it does, man. Well, the thing is, um, I do think it holds up, but in like a stylistic sense, I, I like the way that it feels, and it feels completely different to anything else on the market. Um, in regards to it has that um, the sense of aiming that Time Splitters has, um, which if you, want, if you want to get a feel right now for how GoldenEye is going to feel to go back to, go play Time Splitters 1 or 2. Okay. They're on the Xbox. They finally put them out on backwards compatibility um, because it's all about zooming into the frame and picking off a specific headshot rather than sweeping the cursor over everybody um, or whatever, aiming down the sights or whatever it is. 
it is, um, that Call of Duty would popularize or Halo, like arena shooters would popularize, um, respectively. It's more about just this weird feel of like zooming in. There's a lot of auto aim going on. There's a lot of animation priority, like in Goldeneye, especially, and especially because it wants to open on the damn level, it wants to make you feel like a god, like make you feel like Bond. Like you're pretty much just holding the trigger down. You don't really need to aim that well. Yeah. Um, and the game will do the rest of it for you. Um, that like feel is what made it feel incredible when I went back to it a couple of years ago. When I finally got it a couple of years ago, I never played it as a kid. Um, and the, it was the music, it was the presentation. Like, GoldenEye's soundtrack goes. Yeah. Like, GoldenEye's main menu theme is the sickest thing anyone's ever written. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's so slick. Like, you bring that back, you remaster it, and it has the same little, like, cool little beat that's in there. That's really cool. Um, and that kind of tra- that kind of goes into that first level and that whole, like, that general feel of, like, oh my God, I am, I am Bond. I'm taking people out. I'm really, really cool. Yeah. I'm shooting the windows out. I'm like, you know, whatever. That stuff that very much holds up. The- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. 
Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. The reason I asked that question is because, um, like you mentioned there about the sort of slight generational differences, mm. um, like I didn't grow up on GoldenEye. Like right. that wasn't my first person, my first first person shooter. I was always playing it at a friend's house. I see. None of my mates had it because uh. I was slightly uh, younger. You know, mm. we were playing other things. By the time we got into first person shooters and Bond, mm. it was Nightfire. It was stuff like that. Like that's what we were playing competitively. So I'm kind of at an age where I just missed it, so mm. I don't have that nostalgic reverence for it, which always makes me wonder. You know, I've played I played around your house. We, we went around your house once. Oh, we yeah. Played some that was my 30th. Yes, we yeah. had 30th birthday. Yes, we were playing some Goldeneye around then. It, w- <laughs> it was very fun, uh-huh. but uh, would I be interested in a remaster? I'm not sure. I'm interested whether, like, just what they do to the controls and the feel, because they did remake Goldeneye on the Wii, um, and so they had to go back and change stuff there, and that was when they replaced Pierce Brosnan with um, Daniel Craig and everything, and they did change the, the feel of it. It didn't have that free radical time splitters, what would go on to be the time splitters feel, um, which is the thing that makes it Goldeneye. So I, it is interesting, because they have to walk a line between people's muscle memory and then making it work for a whole new generation, but it's a generation who aren't going to care anyway, because they weren't brought up on Goldeneye. It's, it's only going to work for people like me or you, who have the reference point for either the movie or the game. It's... Uh, slightly different conversations, mm. but I've, I've noticed more and more as we um, start, you know, we'll continue to do lists on the uh, <laughs> main uh, What Culture Gaming channel. But yes. I'm like, some of our reference points now are so out, like talking about Tekken yeah. earlier, talking about GoldenEye now. Like, does do younger people, you know, age 13, 14, mm-hmm. or whatever, care about that stuff at all? I know. I don't know. Well, I, I have this when I'm, uh, whenever I'm talking about Metal Gear Solid, because I'm just like, if I you, this, yeah. you know, if you were born after 2000, then you're coming into your teen years for Metal Gear Solid 5, mm-hmm. and if your first Metal Gear was Metal Gear 5, it, none of it's going to make any sense. And um, we talked about in the last wind-up, I think the overall storytelling and multi-part, it, like, as a law, and multi-part installments has gone away anyway. Like um, a Metal Gear or a Mass Effect or whatever, like that size storytelling just isn't a thing anymore. It's yeah. why the Mass Effect Legendary Edition felt so fresh, um, retrospectively. Yeah, I don't know. I think that too, because usually I'll, I'll write stuff and then realize that all my reference points are the 2000s. Yeah. And I'm like, some people listening to this might not even have been here then. Um, so there is that. But I mean, now a specific case, you go on YouTube stats, you can see that our average age is like 30 plus. Okay. So like there's that, there's that thing. Makes me feel a bit better. But yeah, same. But like it is that, it is that question of like, if I was coming up now, um, the amount of things that are fundamentally, and this I'm talking about all entertainment, fundamentally reliant on touchstones from 20 years ago. Mm. Um, so many franchises being resurrected, Jurassic Park, the new one, it's like, hey, do you care? We've got all the old people back in. Like, if I was a kid, I'd be like, I don't care about any of these literal dinosaur IP. Like, yes. where's my stuff? Like, to them, their stuff is like Fortnite, and it's like whatever, like there's just so few even, new franchises. Even Fortnite's old now. Yeah. Even that's like five on, years old. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I think that's why like they've, they've, a lot of studios, especially in, in the movie space, you mm. know, have taken the legacy sequel approach, where it's like we'll focus on new things, we'll resurrect mm. the IP, we'll focus on a new cast, but you have the old cast coming in for mm. cameos or supporting roles, and then we can get the nostalgia card. Then we can they're trying to appeal to everyone. You yeah, know, revive it put it in front of people's faces, but also get people back who want to Imagine if you were like 12 in 2013, yeah. and then you went through like all of like, like most of your formative years, all the high school stuff, and then you maybe like left um, after sort of like eight, nine years, and you got a job. GTA 5 has been with you the entire time. That's nuts. That. That's, that would be 
that would really drive home how much Rockstar have milked that installment. Yeah, like compared totally. to what we did, where we had a different a different GTA for every year of school, yeah, or a different every like year of our lives for the most part. Like when I got my first proper job, GTA Four popped out. Yeah, and it yeah, was like yeah. first like paid job, and I was doing other stuff before then. But things like that, um, yeah, I, I wonder about that stuff too. We could do it. We do a podcast on that stuff. We could. What what are the? I'll, I'll do a Twitter poll. What are the kids? <laughs> what are the? What are the gaming kids actually care about? Um, because I remember Rich Evans on Red Letter Media said, you know, it feels like all the kids just want to play with the toys, but you've got to play with granddad's toys. And right, it's sort of yeah. like, oh, you, no, you can't do that. Put that away. You've got, to, you've got to use this. You've got to play with this because you've got to do what we're playing with. Well, that's a good point because we're also a generation of big kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're a generation of big kids who haven't let go of our toys and want to impart, the, well, no, not literally in some mm. cases, but want to impart our likes and interests from our childhood mm-hmm. onto the kids as well. So I wonder whether it just becomes this kind of like cycle of, you know, obviously new stuff still coming through, but... Mm. Nowhere near on the same scale as the bankable stuff. Like, I feel like with access to great... I mean, my my personal theory on this stuff is that because a lot of the bigger studios, whether it's film studios, game uh, publishers, or whatever, have so much access to data yeah. that they can just point and go, well, that's a safe bet, that's a safe bet, we should do one more of them. And as we're obviously seeing, especially in the gaming space, most of those things crash and burn. Yeah. But like at the same time, I think that's why those things are happening, because there's just so much access to that data. And if you're the number cruncher, you just look at that and go, well, that's what we should do. We've sounded so old on these podcasts over the past few weeks. Like, so old. Unbelievably old. I mean, ass- not even that old, really. No, no. I, I mean, keep uh, telling myself. Hopefully, uh, it's relatably old. Or it's, yes. re- it's a relatable perspective. It's experience. It's wisdom. It's it's living this gaming life um, in a recordable sense for the last nine odd years that we've been doing this. So, um, so yeah. In other words, speaking of gaming things, um, we talked about Goldeneye about 10 years ago. Goldeneye, hopefully, coming out later this year, and we'll see whether that lands or not. Now, the next point I've got down is GTA 5. Now, I've written an expletive next to its next to its name because I got the GTA 5. It's not expanded or enhanced. It's just GTA 5. <laughs> I got GTA 5 again on uh, on the PS5 because I was like, I'll see what this is about. Kotaku said it felt like a whole new game. Interesting. It's not a whole new game, Josh Brown. Interesting. No, it's not. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, I'll get this and I'll, I'll play for a bit and I'll see what I think. Now, I've dipped back into GTA 5 a few times over the years. Um, I think GTA 5 has aged like hell. Like, right. I think the the literal, the sense of momentum, the um, the gunplay, the actual just act of moving your character feels horrible in that game. And I feel like back in 2013, um, on the cusp of the indie movement and on the cusp of all these different budgetary uh, production things changing around what games could be, and um, we like this whole big opulent, oh my God, it feels like you're piloting, you're moving a person through this space. Now it feels like hell. Right. And it's like in Red Dead 2, it kind of factored into the overall like sludgy Western, you know, the death of the West. Like it kind of became part of it, this like um, like laden sort of feel to it, like exploring a cupboard one tin can at a time or something. In GTA 5, I just want to turn around on the spot and shoot someone. Like it's, it's a GTA game. Like, And so some of these things obviously were there at the time, but I think it's aged badly. And I think that um, the more they sort of keep trying to shine more lights on it, like over and over again and try and like, enhance the textures or whatever they do to try and get you back in. For me, it just it just shows how badly it's aged. Like that, that game's pacing is horrendous. All the towing the cars and the shipping containers and like all these weird like um, SNL adjacent skit stuff um, that just barely kind of works. Like I, I get in the way of the game. Um, yeah, me going back to it, I was like, this is this is bad. I'm excited to get back in because <laughs> I like GTA Five way <clears throat> more than you, and I think I have mm. a lot more patience for that uh, kind of methodical, stodgy gameplay than <laughs> you do, you know? Yes. I think... It's I in live action, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm almost certain it has aged poorly. But mm. coming out, I remember coming out of Max Payne three and thinking like, I want every game to feel like Max. Max Payne three is what got it right. Where yeah. and, and same like Red Dead two, it has to thematically make sense, or at least it can be thematically made sense to justify why it's like that. Right. Max Payne three was like this big like alcoholic retired bodyguard who's like throwing his weight literally into every dive, and you could really feel yeah. it. That's when I loved it. I know you're gonna say it was better in the old in, in the olden games, <laughs> but uh, in GTA five like the the, the heaviness to like the physics was some of the biggest points of hilarity for me. Mm, like can be. plunking a guy in the back of the head and watching him like slap against the pavement or yeah. like you jumping into a car and like hearing like the, you know, like the big hit of hitting the bonnet, you know, <laughs> going over the top. Like to me, that kind of heaviness in the physics always led to a lot of comedy, especially in the online space, you know, when you're hitting your mm. friends and they can't get up or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't played it properly since 2018 you know i was into the online mm -hmm. for a long time but then just kind of dropped off so mm -hmm. i'm gonna go back to it eventually once i have my gaming break after i think it's break. like it's an interesting thing now because we're coming up on a decade since yeah. it launched and i think that like it's it's weird because you sort of play through it and like you know you notice a lot of more mature thematics that were in there and like you know there's a reason to go check it out it is one of the it is the most popular game of all time but at the same time raw gameplay like i said I, like you just said i wasn't that big of a fan of it in the first place but the the negatives of it have only they've mm. become new negatives the gameplay the thing that i could accept beforehand is now the reason that i don't want to play it right. and the thematics i couldn't get away with trevor the first time i went through it i was oh he's just too insane and nihilistic and i don't want to be this guy and um, those are the things that i can kind of laugh at and have fun with now um, but just the literal act of playing it, it feels like this stodgy thing that just isn't fun. It's funny, man. Like, is GTA Online the only live service game that isn't an MMO that actually <laughs> lived up to the 10-year plan gimmick? And it didn't even Ooh. intentionally set out to it. But, you know, we had Anthem, we had Destiny, Destiny 1. We had all of these games that were like, uh, you're going to be playing this for the next 10 years. And obviously mm. that didn't happen. Mm. But funnily enough, with GTA Online, which kind of hobbled out its online component, like that's the one that survived a full 10 years. And the first few like first few weeks sort of were buggy as hell, too. Oh, like, they horrendous. were terrible. That's I've literally, I played GTA 4 online and the GTA PSP games with my friends on local when I was in, I was in, I was in high school. Because um, everyone had, well, everyone, a handful of us had PSPs. Um, GTA Online, as it's branded from GTA 5 onwards, I played that at launch. It was horrible, and I never played it again. Mm. But I know that, like, you played loads of it and it, it like it's it's the thing that's sustaining GTA well, 5. Well yeah, I mean obviously it got better but like if you just had that first impression. I don't mm. I don't blame you for just thinking no because <laughs> it was hobbled out man. It was buggy. It mm -hmm. was would barely get you in a server. Like, the load times were bad. Mm -hmm. It had such a bad start, and now it's this 10-year behemoth. Another thing as well for, for why I think GTA Five has aged horribly is that, um, and again, like, some people levied this stuff at it at the time. It's just so scripted. Like, GTA, right. going back to the Definitive Edition was was always what I always thought about GTA. It was better when it was a sandbox. It was better when they give you vague mission goals. I know we talked about this loads when the Definitive Edition dropped. Um, but GTA Five is like, you better be walking at this exact speed behind this exact character holding this exact weapon or we're going to fail you out of it. Yeah. Because if you think of any other way of completing that mission, you're just done. And you're like, no, do it again, do it again, do it again. And I just hate that, like, in contrast to how how freeing those old, old games were. Um, and it was always fascinating listening to the houses, especially Dan Houses, say that they made them freeform because they couldn't do the other thing. And then they get the more that they um, were able to do, like, you know, more Hollywood production values or whatever, the more they could railroad you and the more they could make it more filmic. But that inherently tightened everything. And for, and for my in my case, my um, opinion yeah. made it infinitely worse. It's, uh, I'm, again, in classic wind-up fashion, um, <laughs> on the other side of this, because right. while I always played the Grand Theft Auto games, you know, played 3 and Vice City, mm. especially to death, it was never my franchise. It was never uh, the thing that I was booting up games mm. to play. Like, for me, I was more interested in Metal Gear Solid or Resident Evil or whatever, and mm. it was only 
when five came around. I quite liked four, but mm. I dropped off that and kind of joined the backlash bandwagon at the time, which I was, I was younger, to be fair. But <laughs> I kind of like really bought into the criticisms leveled at that game after the fact. But mm. GTA five was the one where I... It all worked. It, it all worked. Mm. Like narratively, uh, the open world, the online, played it for hundreds of hours. And I just kind of weirdly enough, even though I was, you know, older at that point... I was thinking like this. This was my GDA, which is ah. so so strange considering how many times I'd played it before and mm. enjoyed it before, but it didn't click in totality until mm. five. When I know a lot of people like you were kind of thinking, "Oh, it's past its prime. <laughs> the better games were before." It's interesting because I, I that's the thing you talk about the generational stuff you mentioned before. I wonder how many people, how many age groups their their GTA is GTA Five mm. because um, to me and anyone who, who played it who was born in the the very late eighties, early nineties, it's gonna be that original trilogy. If they didn't, you know, maybe the original 2D ones and then the the, the, the first 3D trilogy. Because um, that was the thing. I remember when you played, I think you went back to all three of them in the Definitive Edition and you were just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. some of that was because it was buggy as hell, but then some of it is just those old mission designs are like free form to a fault mm-hmm. or they're just messy or they're like, they feel amateurish because they're trying to push different things that weren't refined enough yet. Yeah, 100%. Like, going back to it, I thought I would get more enjoyment out of it, even outside of the bugs mm. and whatever. But yeah, I got halfway through GDA 3 and I just thought... I, I'd left this in the past for a reason. There was, a, I, In fact, I thought there was a reason I only ever did the open world anarchy stuff. There was a reason right. I never actually got quite far in the missions because I just, for me, it was open to a fault. Yeah. I don't need my hand held, but I just kind of got more enjoyment out of the scripted stuff. Some of the stuff as well. Red Dead or whatever. Yeah, some of the stuff as well is that the, the mission trigger is just like six vans are going to come for you. The, the AI just tells them to, to ride into you over and over again. Yeah. Um, keep resetting until you walk the right way to get away from them. And um, it's weird because the, that mission design, that approach to it is what GTA Online is because it has to be because it has to be freeform enough for a bunch of people to do those mission types. Um, but ironically, that's not why I don't care about GTA Online. Like I need a, a bit of the backbone. Like I need a bit of a, um, whether it's stylistically, artistically, whatever, like those different time periods, the characters, I need something else there. Um, next news item is the idea of Remedy doing a Doctor Strange game. Now this is in very early uh, hands in regards to it being circulating online, but we can just talk about the potential of it because um, I don't want this at all. I don't want Remedy one of the strongest original IP producing studios doing anything close to something that's bankable. Oh, I do. No. I do, just because. You I, like control? I do. I, I'll tell you why. I'll tell, I'll you, tell why. you why. I'll tell you why. I love control. You do? I love Alan Wake. I love Max Payne, even though they obviously don't Crossfire X can't get enough. Anymore. I did not play Crossfire X, <laughs> but I will do one day. Um, I think, you know, those are going to continue. There's no way Remedy stops making their original games. We already mm. know Alan Wake 2 is coming. We already know they're working on a follow-up to Control. Uh, so if they throw in a licensed product uh, alongside that, I'm mm. all for it. I would love to see their take on Doctor Strange specifically. I think they have the tool set to create something fascinating with his power set, you know, a more magic uh, projectile um, kind of focus to the gameplay. Mm. You know, obviously you got flying, which was done so well in control. Mm-hmm. I just think like their tool set is really equipped to ch- tackle a character like that. In classic me fashion, I'm going to do a live 180 because I'm remembering the ashtray maze from control. Yeah, you are. And I'm thinking that if you were in control of that. That's great, that. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of like a whole level warping around you, all, mm-hmm. the, all the different geometric shapes that are used in that level. Arguably, the Ashtray Amazing Control is a Doctor Strange level. It is. If you're going to do a Doctor Strange game, it's it's that. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. But you're hey. right. If, if you just like, yeah. yeah. Imagine that taking place <laughs> in like, you know, the, the Manhattan yeah. area where like the sky is coming in on itself. You're going to that alternate dimension. I just watched Spider-Man No Way Home again last night. So I'm, all, I'm very hyped for more <laughs> Doctor Strange stuff. 
I can I can see that working, man. So I wonder how much um, in because the thing is like obviously Doctor Strange, like, obviously a comic book character, and there's tons of really recognizable artwork from like the '60s and the old school stuff that was really um, just over the top. Like it was you know, in, in a really like memorable way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once it came to uh, live action, they had they had to start doing the like it's it's kind of become a thing where that sort of kaleidoscopic approach is Doctor Strange. Yeah, and uh, that's how he gets represented in multiple different films now. And um, obviously, we're talking about the MCU stuff, but I wonder how much they carry that over. It's like um, how much of that it just is the way that his magic is represented because that's how you do it. Like you need a way for him to bend reality itself and punch through and make holes in different dimensions and bring different things in. Dude, um, I wonder how they do that. Well, just think about like the potential for including uh, the portals in gameplay yeah. would be. I mean, we've already got portal itself showing how cool it is to I you thought you were going to say Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, ain't right. It was no. all right. It was all, all right, right yeah. wasn't it? It was okay. Five stars I gave Four it. I liked stars, it a lot. I suppose. I liked it a lot. <laughs> they could have done a lot more with the portal stuff, though. But even, even that, even even in Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank, you mm. know, you, you, you're using the SSD of the PlayStation 5 to zip from level to level, you know, more or less simultaneously. Yeah. That being brought over to a to a Doctor Strange game, maybe with more freeform use of the portals, maybe use it in combat. You know, mm. I want to punch a guy through a portal here and have him fall from the ceiling. Like, stuff like that would be sick. I want to open a portal behind a guy yeah. and punch to my side and the fist comes out behind him and hits him anyway. Yes! I want to do that. In, who better to do that <laughs> than Remedy Entertainment, Scott Telford? You're not wrong. The thing is, I just, the, the, the value for me in Remedy is that they have full creative freedom. That was why they took that insane investment. I think it was from Tencent. They took some massive amount of money um, and it was from some uh, some other investor who gave them a, a massive like blank check ostensibly, and I was like, in the moment, I was like, cool. I wonder what they're going to do because their track record from Max Payne to Alan Wake, um, <laughs> obviously there's quantum breaks in there too, but whatever. Um, gameplay was really good, um, and then obviously Control. I was like, I love what they do. Like, I didn't like the end of Control. I didn't like how much they left up to the DLC. Whatever. I thought it completely dropped the ball at the end, but everything until then was immaculate. And so it was that whole thing of like, I love the worlds that they make, and they're building this remedy shared universe, like, mm -hmm. um, with the DLC for Control. Um, you know, they, they bring Alan Wake in and everything. And it's just, it's such an interesting, like, pivot to be like, you know, because we talked about, like, bankable IP and, you know, like, like new stuff. Yeah. Um, and the reliance on bankability and the reliance on safe bets. This is a safe bet from a, a studio that have made their name on not doing safe bets. Like, Crossfire X was the, was a really safe bet, in theory. Like, that game had massive success overseas. It should have made sense to just bolt a really basic campaign onto it and sell it over here. Obviously, it tanked. But, like, that's a safer bet. And I don't want them being safe. I know, I know what you mean, but I also want to see them get it like a big, big break. Mm. Like uh, Remedy, for a little while, it kind of looked like they were maybe in trouble. You know, when yeah. the break came out, like you said, and then they had Control, which sold well eventually, but didn't get off to a good start. Yeah, initially, weirdly, yeah. you know, it had legs mm. and had a lot of word of mouth, but initially it was kind of like, oh, what's going on with this studio? Now, with the announcement of Alan Wake Two and that, the success of Control, um, I know they're in a safer space, but I would love to see them just make a, a proper mainstream hit in the same way that almost uh, Sucker Punch got the opportunity to mm. do. I know the infamous series that they made, you know, did well, but I feel like Ghost of Tsushima elevated them to a new level, right? That's true. In the same way sort of Guerrilla Games was with Horizon. I would love to see Remedy kind of get the opportunity to take that leap mm. in maybe a bankable franchise style like Doctor Strange's How They Do It. Those things, um, Guerrilla stuff or um, uh, Sucker Punch stuff, that's, they're bolstered by being exclusives. Like I think if yeah. it was, because um, obviously Quantum Break was everywhere and like, like it was, but that was one of the first Xbox One exclusives. That 
that was that that game single-handedly spearheaded the whole TV meets games thing that they were doing. And obviously, as that fell apart, the game fell apart. Um, but yeah, Remedy haven't been like like massive top tier thing since Max Payne One, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, well, Max Payne One and Two, um, even Max Payne Three went to Rockstar, and then that bombed. And it's just like the IP itself couldn't sustain whatever. Um, but yeah, overall, um, if this stuff is true, at least we they do have precedent. There is the likes of the Astro Amazing Control, which you can go Google um, to get an idea of how they might do level bendy stuff. Yeah, in a good way. One hundred percent. And I, th- I th- my only kind of caveat to it is that I don't want them to just become the no. Doctor Strange studio. Like, I if they're gonna make it, I want it to be alongside mm. the original IP because that is too valuable to get rid of. Like exactly what you said. Mm. But if it's something they can make alongside their own original properties, mm. I'm all for it. Because it's it is interesting to round it off in terms of the MCU, the amount of um, MCU products uh, projects that are in the works, and the idea of taking veteran studios known for a specific thing or a specific ideology and then bolting that or bolting the MCU onto them. Like Fire Access are doing um, the Midnight Suns game, yeah. um, which is Fire Access are the XCOM people. And um, they're doing that, uh, like, you know, a few years after the guy that invented XCOM went off to do Phoenix Point because he's like, I'm not sticking around anymore. I'm going to go and do my version of XCOM over here because um, that's what I do. And it's like, that's an interesting thing that like Fire Access are doing this Midnight Suns game, which is the, the, MC, or the Marvel game anyway. Um, and at the same time, Remedy are going to be doing this, potentially going to be doing this thing. So it's just, it's interesting. Like, I feel like gaming's having this weird, like, reverberative, like, wave that came after the MCU. Like, MCU feels done, like, movie-wise. I know that it'll keep going, but it feels done. The end game was an ending, and we're done. Like, you gotta, if you gotta gotta put the more coal in the fire to keep that thing going again. I simply can't get into this in the last two minutes of this No, I know you can't. That's fine. Maybe that's why I'm saying it now. I know, outrageous, but I'm... No No way home, made so much money. That was $2 billion, Scott. That's barely the MCU. That's barely the MCU. That's Sony brand synergy, the movie. That's that's Sony going, hey, think of Spider-Man because we have a lot of Spider-Man stuff to come. Hey, by the way, Morbius is coming. Go nuts there, kid. No, no. I'll I'll do a whole, I'll do a Twitter poll about it. I'll do a whole (laughs) thing on how that movie is barely an MCU movie. That's that's, that's a Sony brand campaign movie. That's what that is. (laughs) Um, But that's a whole thing for the future. For now, it's been the wind-up. I've been Scott Taylor joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.